0: Blessed Easter season to you as we look at, does Easter really change anything? And that's what we are focusing on in this sermon. We know that God on a cosmic level has done something utterly amazing. But what does that mean for our daily lives? This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, April 5th, Easter Sunday, 2015. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, It is so great to have every one of you with us. Uh, God says where two or three are gathered together, there he is with them. This probably doesn't feel like church, but we know the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus is with us here as we bring his praise. On this Easter, um, Easter is the most joyous of holidays for Christians, and most of us know that. Uh, The devil has been crushed, sin has been paid for, and we don't even have to fear death. So there's a sense of joy that comes with Easter, and I think a joy that comes uh, to you. Most of us are dressed up, and by dressed up, I mean I wore the same thing I did last week. But I mean, for most of you, you dress up, and it's a little bit different. Your meals are probably a little different. Anyone going to family or friends for a special meal? Both of you are. Okay, that's fantastic. (laughs) I just talked to someone. um, Their Easter tradition is to have king crab legs. I'm like, that's an Easter I want to go to. This sounds like a good deal. And it sounds very uh, traditional, especially since Jewish people can't eat shellfish. But if, we're not going to worry about details. Um, we're ser- you know, I, won't, I won't get on them because we're serving ham croissants after church, and they can't have ham either. So the original people probably would have celebrated with lamb, of course. So we have special food, uh, we get together with family and friends, the weather is nice out, uh, you travel a little bit, and you start to enjoy this, this thing that we call Easter, what an amazing thing it is. The, um, uh, Easter's not always, though, I think, like full foot on the, the gas pedal of joy, unless you're, if you're older than five, you know that most days aren't like this, right? Most days you don't get up and you get cheesy potatoes and get jelly beans, I'm guessing. For most of us, that's not kind of how it works. And in fact, I just read something that said one out of 10 Americans, in fact, it's probably the opposite. One in 10 Americans are on antidepressant drugs. One in 10. Lots of people that I know. And that may seem like a lot. Maybe you're saying like, I'm surprised more people aren't. What does it say? It says that days aren't always like super awesome and days aren't always go find your Easter basket. It means Uh, There's plenty of days you wake up and you say, There is something that is just not so awesome about today. You read about like theater shootings, ISIS that we deal with today. You read about all these bad, awful things in the world. Not every day is so awesome. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, Normally, I don't make you feel awkward that I know of. Um, So for 30 seconds, I'm going to actually look at my watch. I want you to think of something like you're dealing with now that's really been a struggle. What is something that you're, you're wrestling with now? Is it a relationship? Is it work? Is it um, a past sin that you're struggling with? Is it your faith that you're wondering that's kind of going up and down? Just think for 30 seconds. I'm going to look at my watch. It's starting right now. Just think of it. You can write it down, uh, but I know most of you actually won't write it down. But now to prove me wrong, you will write it down, which is awesome. So you get about 20 seconds. Just think about what, what is something that's really hard, something you're struggling with, and you're thinking, like, does does Easter, and this is really our question, does Easter actually change anything? Like, day-to-day, on a cosmic level, I think we all understand that Easter does something amazing, but on a day-to-day level, does Easter actually change anything? Uh, sometimes we romanticize the past. If you would say, like, would I rather live now or 50 years ago? Most people would say, you know what, 50 years ago, I bet it's a nicer time. You know, where people are kinder, people are gentler, um, your kids could actually walk to school, no one had invented the selfie stick. I mean, th- these, these are better times. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's true. If you look back 2,000 years ago, and you just think of, like, where the disciples were at, here they, they just had this special meal, and They gather with Jesus over Passover. They get in the room, and this is the the kindest and gentlest and most selfless person they've ever met. They have a special meal with him. He washes their feet to show his humility. He shows them and gives them his true body and blood in communion. He uh, he gives them a new command to love one another. So all of this is happening. And then suddenly, um, it shifts. And things happen fast. Like that night, Jesus is in a garden and it's dark and the soldiers come and then he's on trial and of all people you're thinking well of course he's going to get off but then the false witnesses come and then the the shady politicians kind of bend to the people and it's 9am the next day and he's on a cross until he's asphyxiated at 3 o'clock the worst of deaths the strangest thing is that Jesus predicted it all when you hear predictions I think ears perk up If I would give you predictions, like my predictions for the next year, I won't do that. But your ears perk up because you're like, who has the courage to actually say something out loud that this is what's going to happen because it can be proved right or it can be proved wrong? There's a certain uh, thrill that goes with that, I think. I think that's why gambling is so popular, to tell you the truth. Online gambling and gambling around the country, people like this idea that I can somehow predict the future and I have evidence and cash in my wallet or lack of cash in my wallet to prove I can or can't do it. There's a certain appeal to it. And we have, like, kind of um, mythical times, and we shared this once before. Uh, Babe Ruth called a shot. We showed video. Was he just pointing at the dugout, talking trash, or was he calling a shot? We have other super famous ones in history. Jake Taylor calls his shot, but then lays down a bunt to win the pennant. This is actually from a movie, Major League, 15 years ago. Uh, More famous real examples, uh, anyone recognize this individual? Joe Namath. He was a pretty good quarterback, but not the best quarterback, but he made the predictions that the Jets, I think they were the AFL at the time, was going to defeat, was it the Colts? Defeat the Colts, and he actually defeats the Colts. This is epic proportions. What I think is amazing is that Joe could predict if he's going to win a Super Bowl, but could not predict, as we look back 30 years ago, how silly he would look in a woman's fur coat you know you think he could figure that part out but apparently not these are all human beings making predictions and now jesus who is god says to his disciple these words jesus went on to say in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me at this some of his disciples said to one another what does he mean by saying in a little while you will see me no more And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they kept asking, what what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, you will grieve. This isn't just a human being saying this. This is God himself in their presence saying, you will weep and mourn. And while the world rejoices in this festival, probably, you're going to be grieving. This is exactly what happens. One of the more memorable parts in Scripture for me as a kid um, is when Uh, Peter betrays Jesus, and he looks across the courtyard. Can you picture? He says, before the rooster crows, you are going to betray me three times or deny me three times. So he looks across as the rooster crows, and he looks across the courtyard, it says, and he makes eye contact with Jesus, and he leaves and he weeps bitterly. This meant a lot to me. I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, Men in Wisconsin don't cry. That's true. Men in Wisconsin do not cry. We get things stuck in our eye. That's all that... That's the only thing that happens. And as a kid, I thought, like... I don't think I've seen a man cry really ever, and a grown man, a fisherman, this burly fisherman guy, weeps bitterly. How empty do you think he felt? How, how... You read about uh, the way that Jesus took as he carried his cross, and it's even got a name today, the Via Doloroso, which means the way of tears. Mary Magdalene is weeping when Jesus sees her on Sunday morning of Easter and her tears wet the ground. Why does Scripture include such raw emotion? Why do you think it includes emotion like this? I think because that's reality, right? I mean, you can put up like a digital facade, and somehow everybody—you look on Facebook, everybody you know—is always on vacation. Do you ever feel that way? This is my brother is on vacation and he's visiting us, so thanks for coming. But, but it seems like that all the time, right? Like everybody's on vacation everyone's kids are on a roll you know every dad is getting a promotion and there is no mom that's overwhelmed where is this place that happens like this and where is it that everybody is smiling and where is it where the kids are all on a rolls and the sons are all stars and the girls are all pretty and the dogs even like clean up after themselves like where does this happen nowhere And when I said, just take 30 seconds, and I know that was an awkward thing, I bet you could think of some things that have probably brought you some tears, some disappointments this year. And the trajectory of your life is not quite going the way you want it. No matter how good your life is, there's things that you're struggling with and that are hard and difficult, whether it's work or relationships. This past year, some of you got divorced. This past year, some of you got estranged from kids. This past year, um, some of you financial loss. You lost jobs. You're going like, what is going on? And the question comes back to, does Easter actually change anything? Does does Easter mean anything as we, we look at what's happening here? Does it fix it? Jesus didn't stop here as he talked to his disciples. Instead, he said... Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. I just did that wrong. In a little while, you'll see me no more. In a little while. In a little while, it's, it's just going to be a short time, but then I'm going to come back. This is what Jesus promises. He goes on. There we go. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy, that child, is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Now, Jesus doesn't say, and I I get this, as a Christian, we often say these kind of things, like eventually it's going to be better, right? Right? That's the story of the resurrection. Eventually, it's going to be better. Eventually, you're going to actually get to heaven and everything, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. But somehow, we got to like walk in this area. So we find out about this amazing joy. And what Jesus says is not like, just suck it up, it's going to be fine. Eventually, you're going to get to heaven. Jesus says, your joy, your grief is going to be turned to joy now. You're going to have a joy, what he says, you will rejoice and no one can take that joy away. It's not going to be taken from you. That joy cannot be pushed away from you. You're going to have that joy forever. So what that's saying is there's a difference that's happening right here. The best example I could think of is uh, my daughter wrote a story. And so she had to write for school this story on oppression. So this is a made-up story, but she said uh, it was set in Africa. I'm going to set the tone. It's called The Sound of Choppers. So it's set in Africa, and the, there's this, uh, this kind of, what would you say, warlord took over this village, and they separated boys and girls, and she thought her brother was killed, her brother Kilo. And so, the, in, in, I didn't say it was super dramatic, the women were forced chained to stoves to cook. You know, that could have been a little more dramatic, but, you know, they, so that's what that was happening to the ladies. And then the boys, they assume, either had a fight or die so the story continues and it follows this person who's black ops comes all the way to Africa to like kind of scout the scene out and save it and she's saving the girl and on the way out as the choppers come over that the, the warlord is saying to this kid who are you, what is your name and he says my name is Kilo which is the name of her brother and, but what I'm saying is is there immediate fulfilled joy at that moment I'd say no I'd say, no, I'll give you a sillier example. You ever lose your wallet, lose your purse, lose something even more dear to you, more dear than your child, like your phone? <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're like, where has this gone? And you're like really worried about it and then you call someplace, and you're like, hey, is my phone there? And they're like, it's not here. And you're doing like, find me, find my phone, and you're listening for beeps around the house and you're searching everywhere. And then uh, you call somewhere and someone's like, hey, I found your phone. There's this moment where you find that out. It's this moment of joy, right, that you have it, but that joy is not complete until it's actually in your hand. You feel that way? Like if you forgot your kid at the grocery store, right? You'd feel bad, and there's this, and you call, and they said, hey, we have the, oh, let's just make it autobiographical. Your kid gets lost on the ski hill again, And you're worried, right? And you get less worried over time, but he's lost again. And there's this sickening feeling, and then you get a call from ski patrol because they have your number on file that says, hey, we have your son, he's with us. So there's this sense of joy that they have your son, but then there's that waiting period until that joy is made complete. That's kind of where we live, I think. That's where we live. When you become a Christian, and when you know the resurrection, you know that Jesus has come down on this earth and He has lived perfectly, He has died in your place. He is resurrected now in heaven. That is proof that you're going to live with him someday. That's over here. We find this out here. There's a long way, right, between here and there. There's a lot of job loss and heartbreak and pain and financial struggle. And the question is, does Easter do anything about it? And I want, I want to ask you this. Think of it this way. In Easter, you are not too broken for Jesus. If the thing you struggled with earlier was a sin, then you thought, I am so guilty and there's something I can't shake. There's an addiction in my life. There's something I, I, I'm so weighed down with. I'm afraid to even make eye contact with human beings less a holy God. You're not too broken for Jesus. He says, my sins have paid for it. You can come to me. Jesus knows your little while. When Jesus said to the disciples, a little while you're going to see me, he wasn't guessing. This is the God who created the earth. This is the God who pushed things in its places. This is the God who knows how many hairs are in your head. He knows your little while. He knows how long your heart is going to be broken. He knows how long you're going to struggle. He knows all these pains. And know what else he says? I'm going to make this turn out for your eternal good. You don't need to fear even death. I was a new pastor. You're probably saying you're still a new pastor, but I was really a new pastor. And so I get out of the seminary, and you don't really know what you're doing. They don't tell you that at the SEM. You learn that by experience. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. So you remember, um, I went to see Marlene, who had cancer. I was knocking on doors, and then I sat down with her. She had cancer. She was going to die. I didn't know it within six months. And they said at SEM, like, if you're stuck, what to do? Now you guys know my trade secret. You just say, are you afraid to die? So if we're just eating donuts later and I'm out of conversation, I'll be like, you afraid to die? Um, So that's what I did with Marlene. You know, I didn't know what to do. And so I asked her, and she says this, Pastor, what's there to be afraid of? When I fall asleep, I'm going to wake up in Jesus' arms. You don't even have to fear death. But what's so beautiful about that story and, and why I'm so jealous in ways of Marlene is because we're here or here Or here, or here, or here. She got to be right here and see that fear taken away. Does it change what happens in the middle? So I'm going to ask you to do this experiment one more time. 30 seconds. You thought of something that is really a struggle, you thought of something that's weighing you down, you thought of some situation that's really difficult. Think of it in two ways How would I feel if I didn't know all these truths about Jesus? And think about the other end. What if you didn't know about the resurrection? What if you didn't know where you're going to go on the last day? What if you didn't know that Jesus loves you and cares for you and you can pray to him? What if you don't know he's working these out for your eternal good? What if you didn't know that you've got a God who forgives you? Easter doesn't take all these little pains away, but it does give us some perspective to step back and say, I'm loved by a God no matter what happens on this earth. And there will be a day, someday, when all our pain, all our sorrow, and everything is gone away. Amen. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, we are in awe as we look at Easter, a day of joy. Our little wiles sometimes seem like long wiles, but we know our grief is turned to joy. Um, we know the disciples' grief was turned to joy when they saw Jesus. And we can, too, look at our Savior. We can listen to his voice and his, your word we can receive the sacrament, his true body and blood. We're reminded of the true joy that we have, and it's a joy that's felt even this day, a joy that runs so deep and high in our life that all our suffering on earth. They don't go away, but they're put in perspective that we live in just a little while before we ultimately wake up in your arms. Amen.